0: Hey guys, welcome back to this week's episode of the Parking Lot Podcast. We're really excited to be with you today. We got Kyle and myself, Austin, here with a special guest that we'll introduce to you in just a moment. Um, Today, we're going to be looking at the NCAA tournament bracket, breaking down some good matchups and some things to keep your eye on if you're an NBA fan. And then we're going to jump into some NBA news, looking at recent risers and fallers. And then we're going to talk about trade deadline. Trade deadline is just about a week away. And uh, we've had a trade already happening in the NBA that we'll break down a little bit for you. And then we want to get into some fun uh, basketball food and talk about some different, uh, different things to spice it up as uh, baseball begins to open back up as well. So let's jump into it.
1: All right, welcome back to the parking lot. Uh, we got myself, Kyle Austin, and we got a, a guest with us today. Goes by many different names. Patrick Campbell. PC, Patty Ice, a great Bambino. Patrick, how you doing, man? Thanks for
2: coming on. Hey, K-Mac, Kyle, Austin. Good to be on with you guys. Thanks for, uh, you know, I've always filled a kind of like a role player uh, spot (laughs) in most basketball teams, and so it feels good to be the sixth man off the bench. This feels like perfect. This is my safe (laughs) zone, so... (laughs) Patrick and I on with y'all on the parking lot.
1: (laughs) We played basketball together for years. All three of us have really. Um, I played against Patrick growing up. We played. We played a rec league like a couple years back together, which was was kind of fun to get back on the court together. But but yeah, a lot of a lot of time playing ball. You name it. Um, But yeah, uh, PC, how's your uh? How's your uh, bracket coming? Have you finished it? Are you still tailoring it, polishing oh, the edges?
2: You know, I wish I had the patience to go through and sit down, look and be uh, uh, more deliberate in my picks. But at the end of the day, I feel like I just kind of get caught up in the fun of having my ESPN March Madness app. And I just start clicking you know, those little buttons. Boom, boom, <laughs> boom, 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 boom. And flying through. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And before I know it, I end up with, you know like a seventh seed in the final four i go oh no and instead <laughs> of backtracking i just go okay well if it goes it goes <laughs> that's funny
1: uh do you remember alec musa by chance
2: uh, we- the moose of course moves, I yeah
1: moves. he uh he just dropped a podcast like i gotta I got shout it out i listened to it today his first episode i know he's doing some writing. uh i think turnover sports is what it's called the website he's writing for but He's a big college basketball guy. He handicaps a lot of basketball lines, and he did a full bracket breakdown. Super, super good stuff. He knows his stuff, and it's called Moose and Friends Podcast. So he's still working through the title a little bit, but uh, yeah, it was about an hour, hour fifteen, hour and change of him going through like team by team, matchup by matchup. And Moose is a funny guy. We, I know, we used to podcast with him on a kind of little side project several years back. I mean, that's been a long time now. But yeah, I just wanted to shout out his podcast because he did a really, really good job breaking it down. And um, I'm trying to kind of take the games that I've watched. I haven't watched a ton of college basketball, more just because some prospects here and there that I've really been focusing in on. But um, do you guys have any sleeper teams, Austin? Any teams that uh, you got going maybe further than consensus or any, any guys you're watching in particular?
0: I'm kind of a, I'm kind of a. I don't know how, I don't know what the word would be, but I'm kind of the person where it's like I'm sticking with my one through fours. I don't really try to venture too far out of that.
1: Dude, keep it chalky. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah,
0: I'm, I'm, coaching I'm kind far. of the guy that's like I'm not gonna, I don't ride a, a sleeper all the way. So I don't really have anyone specifically that stands out. But I was curious about like when you're breaking down brackets um, and you're talking about this podcast, what's kind of the, what's kind of the theme that you look for as you're picking teams? Is there like a certain stat, a certain player, certain? situation like what what kind of uh dictates how you how you build your bracket
1: yeah well, i'm sure patrick you'd agree uh but the twelve five is like the biggest upset right is that what you look for or do you have
2: other
0: yeah i know the twelve five has history
2: yeah I, I don't even really look at uh their ranking as much as like conference because i know if they're coming from a strong it seems like the strong conferences always show out so if you're, even if it's like a high seed from, let's say the PAC 12, I just know that they're usually going to dive bomb once they get in past that first weekend. So hmm. I usually look at the conference.
1: See, and I'm kind of more on the coaching front because I'm not a big PAC 12 believer And <laughs> yeah. as an ASU fan. Like I've watched us flame out for so many years, like no matter what the sport is, but like Dana Altman, for example, I just trust that guy so much in March. He's right Mm -hmm. up there with like Tom Izzo for me. And so I've got, I got Oregon going pretty far, even though I don't think this is like the most talented Oregon roster I've ever seen. I just really rely on coaching in March that they just get their guys ready for a game. And I mean, when it gets really tense and huge situations, like sometimes composure is more important than talent. I don't know.
2: Sure. Oh, I completely agree. And the, the funny thing though, about college basketball is that when it comes to March Madness, the main stories aren't even really about the best players or even like the best teams. The biggest story has been Patrick Ewing and Georgetown making. Yeah. like I see that, like whenever I'm looking through the different sports, uh, podcasts I listen to, you know, Dan Patrick, the herd, whatever. It's all like, can you believe that Patrick Ewing, it's all about these legacy names. It's like, Oh, Juwan Howard is coaching Michigan. Sure, so I always sure. think that's kind of a neat part of the college basketball experience.
0: Um, Kyle, who are your sleepers? I, you've, I know you've been a lot more investigated it than I have with with college basketball. What, uh, like if someone had if someone ha- is listening to this hasn't filled it out yet, what's their uh, what's their sleeper pick? Where, where are you going? Yeah,
1: I mean, I've got a couple of first round upsets, like, but those I have them losing pretty early. Like, sure, I have, I have Santa Barbara over Virginia. Just with Virginia's got COVID issues. You don't know who's gonna play. So, yeah, a couple things like that. I think I got Kansas losing because of the same thing, but. I mean, as far as sleepers go, I really like Florida State. They're a four seed, but I've got them going all the way to the Final Four. Wow! So I, I really like Scotty Barnes. I'm, I'm just really high on that Florida State team. A lot of length. Uh-huh. I've always, I don't know, I always like Florida State. Wings fan. It's always like what gets me in the draft, and Florida State consistently puts out guys that just have like massive wingspans They're six seven with seven foot plus wingspans and so I just yeah, that's like a the Jonathan length.
0: Isaac right like I remember yeah. when he was in it you were all over Florida state with Jonathan Isaac
1: <laughs> I know man he let me down doing bacon he',
0: he was... let you down that weekend man
1: oh man yeah but so they'll probably let me down again but I've got <laughs> more um I got Texas Oregon both going to elite eight so those okay are, why my, my highest seeds going that far, but I've got Gonzaga and Ohio State in the championship, so.
0: Zags where, won it at all. Where is USC? Oh, they're a sixth seed. Okay, I see. With Evan Mobley, yeah, do I was think, curious your opinion there.
2: Right. Well, no, I was going to ask you, Austin, like, do you think Evan Mobley is going to, because he's looked at as, like, you know, a huge, uh, could, could he go number number one overall, potentially, or, or is he, like, a top five? I, th- I, I, I like Evan Mobley. I think the problem is that I just think
0: teams overall are giving less emphasis on drafting a guy of that stature, like a center or, or a power forward as early as that. I still think he's going to be like a top five pick. I just think it's harder to see these guys. Like if, if especially when a Kate Cunningham is sitting there and he's a six, seven, six, eight guy who can play with the ball and he can kind of, you know, he's almost like that five, you know, five-star kind of athlete. I, I'm, I think it's going to be tough for a guy like that too, to climb above that. But I think he's a really nice player. I think he'll be a good – like, look, look at Wiseman. I don't think the Warriors are bummed with Wiseman. I think he's looked good in stretches, and, you know, he's a big man. It's going to take some time. He didn't play a lot of college basketball. I just think that, overall, you're going to prioritize, like, guards and wings. They just make a bigger impact on your team, I think, overall. And it all depends on who's sitting there. Like, if, if, if a team is sitting there and they just really need that big and it's like this is the opportunity, then take it. But I think, overall, teams are going to prioritize – wings and guards in the nba
1: i couldn't agree more austin i just feel like so many gms have lost their job by drafting bigs over stud wings forwards or even guards that are sitting there ahead of them it's it's tough you got to really really love a guy to draft them over like you're saying a cade cunningham a Jalen suggs mobley totally has the pedigree he has like the skill set to go number one overall i just think maybe it's recency bias but i mean if i were a gm truthfully i'd be scared to take a big number one overall like you better nail that pick he better be like a perennial all-star or else you could get killed for it and so many have lost their jobs look at sacramento divash lost his job yeah uh even here in phoenix mcdonald lost his job taking eight and over luka like those are the kind of things you and especially with how cade profiles to be that's that's tough yeah but it'll be fun to watch them both in the tournament it's it's a
0: treat that we get both of them and Suggs. We get all three of those guys in in awesome tournament matchups. Right. Right. And that's where those ignite guys, those two uh, Kaminga and uh, Jalen green, right? Yeah. That's the bummer is like, yeah, you got to see him against, you know, like professional players. And it's a different, it's a different environment. They had their bubble. You were able to watch them. But I think just, I just think that the tournament still dominates in terms of um, like what you do in the tournament can translate into nba um rising and falling i think more than anything else and i think that was the problem with last year's draft was we didn't get to see anthony edwards in a situation where he could have i mean he still went number one overall didn't change anything but would it, it would have been interesting to see maybe it would have affected draft stock had he played in a tournament and shot the ball maybe poorly that that one game and it, it just it's interesting to see how the tournament can change draft boards and change projections on players
1: yeah, absolutely. Well, you mentioned risers and fallers. Let's, let's jump right into that uh, yeah. from the tournament, kind of get back into the NBA swing a little bit. Uh, Patrick, what's been your uh, impression over the last couple weeks, month or so, risers, fallers? Who who are you high on? Who are you low
2: on? Love to get a fresh take. Yeah, for sure. Well, I, I don't know if, how fresh these takes will be, but you know, I was just looking at the last 10 games, and uh, I mean – there were a couple uh, teams that jumped out at me, especially in the Eastern conference that I was really surprised about. But then you look at the record and you look at their standings and you're like, Oh man, these teams have both jumped into the playoff and, you know, going beyond the playing games. And I was looking at Miami. Who's now a number four seed. And then you look at Atlanta, who was a dumpster fire and Nate McMillan's come and saved them and brought them back. And their teams are completely different than they were, what like a quarter of the season?
0: Yeah, seven wins in a row for Atlanta. I mean, that's they haven't lost a game since the coaching change. I mean, that's, that's out, of, out of nowhere too. <laughs> like, listen, I know we talked about did did Lloyd Pierce get the end a bad end of the bargain? Like, sure, we can. I think we can all agree that maybe it wasn't the perfect. Um, he didn't have the perfect opportunity. But I mean, when you see things like this, now they're winning seven in a row, eight and two in their last ten. It does go to show that like these coaching decisions do matter, and we've seen it in Phoenix. Like, we finally got a coach that we feel can lead men and who is um, who's competent and has a direction and it makes the world of, of a difference. And I do think that coaching um, is such a big deal. And I don't think it's a surprise that now they've won seven in a row and they're going to get um, uh, Deandre Hunter back here. I think they were saying maybe Thursday or sometime this week. And so they're only, they're only getting healthier. And it's, I'm, I'm curious to see how far, how far they'll continue to rise or not.
1: Got to be that Raj on Rondo leadership. Huh? <laughs> yeah. such, a, such a game changer! What a great signing. No, no, Patty. I was gonna say if you if you came on here firing like some Stan Van Gundy praises or you're real high on the Pelicans, <laughs> I don't know. If, we might have just cut the podcast right here. Like, I, wrap it up. Thanks for coming. Like,
2: <laughs> uh, they round the horn uh, mute button. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> yeah. Negative three points. What he oh, oh, paid No. <laughs> oh man
0: we uh we should have a conversation about Miami they deserve yes they deserve a conversation um what's working for Miami is it just like is it just purely just health like were they just banged up for too long I know their schedule was really difficult early on as well and so it might just be like a they were unhealthy they were losing close games they're playing tough opponents and now you get healthy you're playing better like it might just be as simple as that but what's the has there been a change has there been a philosophy change or what's 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 changed for them?
1: Well, there's been one clear change. It's the earned jerseys, the yellow jerseys. <laughs> I don't get the hate. I like them. I think they look great. I, I, all I see online on Twitter, everyone's dogging on them. I think those yellow jerseys are sweet. I'm about to buy me a Jimmy Butler one. I don't know. I All I'm saying is they started wearing them, and they started winning. There might be a correlation.
0: Maybe. Uh, maybe
1: well, so. by
2: the time it gets here from DHGate, uh, they might be uh, trending the other way. So. <laughs> uh...
1: DHK. Don't use it, people. Don't don't, it's not worth it. Who else though? Outside of obviously Jimmy's been unbelievable. I and mean, what else can you say? The guy showed us like in the bubble last year that he's a legitimate MVP caliber player when he is locked in. He's healthy. I think number one healthy, uh, because he wasn't earlier in the season. But I mean, he is just such a difference maker. It's incredible. The impact he has on all facets of the game—he's a walking triple-double threat. He's such a good defender. Yep. Locker room—I mean, you name it, like he brings every aspect of like leadership and quality basketball to a team that you could possibly ask for.
0: Well, and I think that's what's been impressive is that he's taken over some of the playmaking duty for this team. I—I I heard, I think it was on the um, the mismatch podcast they were talking about. I think in the last like eight games or nine games, he's been averaging around nine assists a game. He's at seven and a half on the season with two steals. Like, I think he just, he's providing it on both ends of the court. I think early on, they were really playing into Tyler Hero, where he was really, really heavy with the ball. And um, he he had a great playoff run. He played really well. He provided a big spark for that team. But at the end of the day, he's a second year player that you're relying to really play make and hit shots. And I think that they've taken a step back from that. And Jimmy's been able to say, hey, let me kind of. Let me run the show. He doesn't shoot a lot of three pointers, but he still scores. He's still effective on both ends of the court, and I think he's taken a load off of maybe some of these young guys to have to do so much. So it provides it provides a better opportunity for them just to play in their role and to be successful and, and do the things that they're really good at instead of trying to force force things out of them that they that they can't do.
2: Well, but the question I would have is because they have had this rise, and then if you look at their strength of schedule, I think I, on Tankathon. Uh, it has them right in the middle of the pack because uh, oh, okay. they play teams like the Suns, but then at the same time, they're pointing the Timberwolves a few right. times. So they're, uh, and clearly they're a great team. So they're going to feast on those uh, on the teams in the lower standings. But I'm wondering, because you think of contenders and you think of uh, a window being open and is Jimmy Butler, the type of player, have they risen enough to where they can make a big move, and go all in at the trade deadline and say, hey, this is a team that we think can win, get back to the championship game and and win? I mean, because they they have to be looking ahead and see Philly, the Nets, and go, I, I don't know, Like, is Jimmy Butler the kind of player that can get you past those guys?
0: It's a great question. I personally have been sh- – like, Jimmy Butler should continue to shut my mouth. Like, I've liked Jimmy Butler, but I never thought he was as great as some of the people – I mean, really, I never thought he was as great as what he's already shown he can be. What he did in the playoffs really kind of shut my mouth a little bit about his his leadership and potential. Um, they've been linked to Victor Oladipo for a long time. I know he's had a big interest. I know just the Bradley Beal talks have, have been involved with Miami, that he would be a good fit there. I personally think that if I'm Miami, I might just continue to let these guys develop that you have on your roster and maybe not try to swing a move. I don't think that there's any... I don't think that there's any realistic move that is going to make them better than any of those three teams that are ahead of them now. And so what I think is you just, you play it out and you try to fight for that fourth seed and try to make a good run in the playoffs. So that way you can continue to attract maybe if a Bradley Beal is ready to get moved, or if there's a situation that, that would work for Miami, I think almost you wait and you just be patient. Don't make a big move right now and then go all in, in the offseason and try to try to capitalize on your recent success in the playoffs. I mean, I feel like they just made their move, didn't they?
1: Trevor Ariza, (laughs) baby. 11th team, man. Packing his bags. I just had to renew my passport today. I'm like, how many times has Trevor Ariza renewed his passport? That guy is a (laughs) world traveler. He is all over the place, different city, different country all the time. Who knows, man, that huge move from Miami championship favorite. Uh, I, I agree though. I think it's, I feel like it's Brooklyn's conference to lose, but you have a lot of teams that are right on that cusp. If Brooklyn has an injury, if Katie can't come back fully healthy, sure. uh, I think they put themselves right up in there as they should be, as they were last year, obviously being in the championship, but right up there with Milwaukee, Philadelphia, as teams right on that second tier that I think if Brooklyn has any chinks in the armor come playoff time, that they're right there, ready to, to maybe slide into that spot.
2: Well, that's the tough thing with the Eastern Conference teams is that um, as these lower seeds are rising, um, you know, the, the Miamis, the Atlantas, uh, I mean, they're getting better, but then it seems like at the same time, the Nets and Philly are both rising as well. Like, they're they're upping yeah. their game to this incredible level to where you go, oh man, it's not going to be a cakewalk for whoever comes out of the West. Like, there's nothing set in stone this season because everyone seems to be you know upping their games
1: yeah yeah i couldn't agree more and real quick on milwaukee i i was thinking about this today do you remember when they announced that top gun 2 was coming out right like four years ago yeah and like they they first showed us a preview and it's like four years later and i still don't know when that movie's coming out (laughs) i'm just so excited for it to come out i feel like that's milwaukee like every single year it's just like we're waiting for them to like take that next step get over the hump and we i feel like they're still several steps away they, they just made this move yesterday Let, let's dive into it a little bit yeah let's do it um i i don't know what i think about it i i feel it feels really i feel split it feels really jaded kind of like the drew holiday deal where i'm like they got drew holiday they got the best player in that deal but what they give up sure i, I don't know um what are your initial thoughts to, to pj tucker and his status his i
0: guess his quality of play at age i think 36 now. I would say personally, I'm a, I am ai think P.J. Tucker to Milwaukee was my favorite fit. Okay, okay. Um, I didn't think – there wasn't another team that made me j- as excited as Mil- as Milwaukee for him. Um, just because I think what Milwaukee lives and dies by is the three-point ball. And I think it's where it's betrayed them in the playoffs is they rely on Brooke Lopez to hit threes and they rely on Chris Middleton to hit threes. And when those shots aren't falling – it makes it really tough for them in their offense. And so I think PJ Tucker does provide um, um, consistent three-point shooting. And I think he provides just another veteran defender on the other end. If you are going up against a KD or if you're going up against like a Ben Simmons or or whoever ends up being, I I do think that he has value to that team, but I I agree with you in the sense that they are getting back the best player in these deals, but they're losing a lot of value in the process. Um, I personally am still high on Milwaukee. I still, I would not be surprised if Milwaukee was in the finals. Like I could see them beating out both of these teams, as in Brooklyn and Philadelphia. Really? Yeah, I really do. I am. If I'm being completely honest with you, I'm not sold on Philly. Um, I think Philly's really talented. I just wouldn't be surprised to see them lose in a second round matchup potentially. Like I, I really like Brooklyn. I, I agree. I think it's Brooklyn's conference to lose. I think that they are the most talented team by far in terms of just the star power that they have. I just think that Milwaukee has so they can score with you. I think they I think that they're a pretty solid defensive team. Um and I know that's where we talked about as a Suns fan. Like if you can't score with with like a Brooklyn, you're in trouble because they can they it's going to be hard to beat them outscore them four times. But I think Milwaukee well, Let can me ask you this that. then.
1: Let me ask you this cuz I feel like they're taking a I feel like they take one step forward and like that same step back because they were such like a defensive their identity was defense 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 and it kind of I feel like, failed him in the playoffs a little bit. Sure. Um, where they couldn't keep up with teams and score with teams. And then I feel like you're trading DJ, DJ Augustine, which, granted, I don't think he's been the fit. has Hasn't fit have. well. Hasn't felt and well. I totally agree. But, like, now Brent Forbes is your backup guard. I don't know. I just feel like they're they're sacrificing now that offense that they went and, like, sought after in the offseason to kind of try to change gears for defense in P.J. Sure. Tucker. Who well, I know can hit a corner three. But I just – yeah it's it's confusing to me and that's where I'm not quite sure like what angle they're trying to hit here and it just
0: feels like they're kind of wishy-washy do you, do you see that or is that that just- makes sense that's a really good point the one thing I will say is that they're only a point back in terms of points per game like they're they're 119 and a half points per game like they they have plenty of offense on that roster even without like a DJ Augustine that I don't yeah. think I don't think that they're losing that much offensively versus like what you're trying to get back in leadership and um, like defensive lockdown, and like he's he's an older player, PJ Tucker. I just think that he still provides something for Milwaukee. And now we haven't seen Kevin Durant with these guys like fully yet, and so they're at 120 and a half points per game. <laughs> for all I know, it's going to be 125 in a month. I know. But
2: yeah. and so
0: maybe maybe it does look a little bit more um, skewed. But I, I just think that if you're Milwaukee, I think that they can score with anybody. I think that they can put the ball in the in the net. I just think that, like, if if you're gonna try to to stop James and Kyrie and Kevin, like, you just need as many wing defenders as you can get, and that's what PJ provides.
2: PC, how do you see this from the Houston side? Well, <clears throat> for Houston, I, I, it it's a great. Well, I like that they were able to switch their their draft picks because yeah. that's huge. Because I mean, they uh, let's face it, the fact that they had to give up so many draft picks to bring in Westbrook, and then you know and Chris Paul and just how those completely blew up in their face. And now they're left with nothing. I mean, maybe it's a scrap to be able to flip from the first pick of the second round to, I don't know, mid twenties potentially, but I mean, you got to take what you can get at this point if you're Houston. Uh, And then granted the, the, the point that I was thinking about the most with this trade and Houston, it is from Houston's point of view, because they've gotten hit by it twice is just the incredible uh, reach of the player empowerment movement. Cause you have someone like James Harden who forces himself out, but of, you know, out of the city, but that's not super uncommon. We've seen other superstars force themselves out of the city over even over the decades, but to have someone like PJ Tucker, who's a role player, who's, Shooting his worst three-point percentage, oh, I think in his career, wow. he's like close to uh, he's close to thirty percent.
1: It's like thirty-two, yeah. It's it's low.
2: It's really low, and so he is not as consistent. He's taken a step back, uh, and to see him go demand, well, I need to be traded. I need to be let go. And I'm super happy for PJ because I think he deserves to be on a contender. I think that he plays winning basketball, but he is certainly not at the peak of his career and the fact that he was able to make a move out of Houston, uh, that just speaks to the incredible power that these players have today.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. Talking about, can- uh, talk about Fallers by the way, yeah. if we would have, if we would have gone back and just erased the last 18 games of this, of the NBA season for every team, you're looking at an 11 and 10 Houston Rockets team. That's so they wild. now sit with 18 straight losses at 11 and 28. It's I mean, so wild. that is miserable. That is just, that's brutal. And I agree. I, I don't think this trade is about Houston. I don't think that the, what they're getting back is ever going to make the biggest impact for their roster. But at some point you got to start rebuilding picks and you got to start rebuilding somewhere. And so having these guys on your roster, like you just got to start selling. Like it's just, they have too much cap withholds and they have too much, um, like they're not going to be flexible to play in free agency. You just got to let these guys walk and just start to start to rebuild somewhere. So yeah, just
1: start to accumulate some assets. Just, you
0: have to start somewhere, start something. Yeah. So in that regard, like they PJ Tucker should have been gone. So I think they made the right decision.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and just real quick on Houston. It's funny how early on the returns looked like John wall was like the Houston was a clear winner with John wall versus Russell Westbrook. Right. But now Westbrook strung together. These triple doubles, you know, four out of five games he's had a triple double, something like that. Yeah. And John Walls back on the bench, hurt something with his knee. And it's like, wow, that so quickly how that narrative changes. Uh, it's it's wild. But yeah. I um, gotta gotta shout out uh the Suns picking up Torrey Craig too. Sneaky yeah. good pickup, I think. Great I defender, think so too. Great defender. All of us Suns fans, obviously. But I mean, it just bolsters a really deep and solid lineup. So I'm, I think we'll see more of that kind of move. And I, I want to kind of dive more into like the trade deadline and preview that a little bit. Yeah. But I think we'll see a few more of those kind of moves where it's like an ancillary piece and a team's got a roster spot, whether it's a buyout or maybe an afterthought, just someone moving off of salary team to team kind of deal. Um, are there any particular players you guys are really excited for the trade deadline for, to kind of watch how it unfolds that you're excited to see possibly change teams What you're,
0: what are your thoughts about a week out? Yeah, I just don't think there's gonna be a lot of big moves, if I'm being honest with you. Like, I it's been very clear from Orlando's side that they don't want to trade Vucevic, and I don't blame him. I love I think he's a great player, but they're not ready to move on. Um, that I've seen reports that they're not ready to do that. I've seen reports that it's very unlikely that John Collins gets moved. And so I have seen yeah. reports that Kyle Lowry, and I think Kyle Lowry, he would be the biggest, um like he could really shift a playoff team's like success I think he's just such a great winner he kind of just fills in the gaps of, of your roster but um I don't think he's going to get moved at this point which I kind of would have liked to see that they're really struggling this year and I think that it's time to kind of maybe move yeah, him on him to but Philly would
1: have been really fun I, think I know he's really, played there really before he's fit. got a relationship um Kyle Lowry obviously playing in Villanova his college uh-huh. ball and everything like that but um PC any, any names that you're
2: kind of looking forward to of course, like John Collins, Vucevic. Um, and I just wonder if that's a leveraging tool. Like, oh yeah, there's no way that we would possibly move these these players. Um, I, I mean, at some t- maybe at some point, you have to trust the sources and say, oh yeah, there's there's no way that these guys are moving. But part of me thinks that might just be a negotiating tool to try and get the most because sure. Sure. for. Orlando for the Raptors it doesn't make any sense for them to hold on to these players much longer um, just with their contract size and whatnot but you know the guys that got me the most excited are sort of those players that would be on the contenders wish list um, I don't know someone like uh, Doug McDermott or yeah, Buddy Hill yeah. or Josh Hart like to see if someone could pluck them out and put them into their championship team those are the names that kind of get me excited
1: yeah i I love i love all those names um i think going along the same lines you mentioned mcdermott's in indiana right Mm -hmm. yes yeah indiana's one of those teams that might be a buyer and a seller and i saw a really interesting trade i think it was on the timeline you might have heard it they were talking about jeremy lamb how Indiana's going to be looking to cut costs and open up some cap space but still kind of compete at the same time we understand it as suns fans like you're a mid-market team sometimes you have to offload and you've got to kind of walk both sides of the line for but sure. I think everyone's looking for that. Jeremy uh, J- Jeremy Clarkson.
0: Yeah. Jordan Clarkson, Jordan Clarkson. I don't know why Jeremy Jeremy Well, we We're talking about Jeremy Lamb. So that makes sense. Yeah, that's why. Yeah. yeah. So I think everyone's looking for that Jordan Clarkson type of guy off the bench. You can
1: really light it up for you. Shoot the three ball really well. And when your main starters are off your main two guards, like the Suns for example, Chris Paul, Devin Booker, they try to stagger them. But if one of them's off the floor, it'd be such a nice piece in like Jeremy Lamb to have, who can come in and fill it up and give you two or three threes off the bench in a stretch. Um, so I think guys like that are going to be uh, pretty impactful and pretty sought after, especially after watching Utah success. And I think another guy who's got a smaller contract, smaller ish uh-huh. um, is Larry Nance jr. I think Yeah, that's
0: the name for sure. I'm,
1: he really interests me. He really does as a Suns fan. He really interests me, especially because of his caps cap hold around 10 million. It's a little more attainable. But a lot of teams are in a similar spot where you're you're either maxed out or close to maxed out, um, cap wise. And I think he's such a versatile piece. And Cleveland's going the opposite direction. Um, well, I wouldn't yeah.
2: tweet that at him.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> would you? Uh, would you rather have if you were like Milwaukee? Would you rather have had a PJ Tucker or a Larry Nance? Oh, like PJ Nance. Tucker, Nance, Nance is for it, sure for me. Been, I think he's PJ been that PJ much lost. better.
1: Dude, I think I think PJ's yeah
0: it's just the end of the road for pj
1: he's just he's ancient man and he's got so many miles on those knees and everything he was old when he was playing in phoenix and he played four years in houston yeah he can still give you some impactful moments in a playoff series but um you're just getting the opposite in nance a young spry very athletic versatile i don't know i like pj i always will like pj yeah of course um, just my thoughts.
2: How much weight do you guys give to the idea of going out and getting someone like Larry Nance or like PJ Tucker, who you know is going to be out on the market and saying, Oh, I better get this guy because I would hate to have to play against him if he was on a, you know, said contender? Do, do you think that that's happening? That's a really good
1: point. I think with Milwaukee potentially blocking Philly from getting PJ Tucker, I think it's something. I, I definitely think that does happen. Um, Yeah
0: we've talked about Andre Drummond a lot. Like I do think that the Suns could use better rebounding on their roster and Andre Drummond fits that role. But to be honest, I almost think I would rather have Andre Drummond just to keep him away from, from the Lakers or keep him away from the Clippers or keep him away from a team in the West that, that I, I think he would contend with. And so I definitely think that's a realistic, um, I definitely think it's a realistic uh, take. I just think it depends on the money and what's available, but I do think that teams will try to, I mean, I don't think it's any coincidence that P.J. Tucker, like that they're trying to get P.J. Tucker out of Houston um, and bring him to Milwaukee versus watching him go to play with Houston where he knows, like, James Harden, or I'm sorry, go- goes to play with Brooklyn with James Harden and Mike D'Antoni, who he knows, or, you know, I, I think that there is some of that definitely going on. I-, I wouldn't doubt it.
1: Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. And I think it's all <laughs> positional, too, like who's right. going to be able to give you the most minutes. And so you mentioned Drummond, I think. I think it will boil down to LA or Brooklyn, just whoever he's going to have a starting spot, because if you're negotiating with his agent, for example, right. He's kind of holding the keys, right. But not just Drummond, there's going to be other guys. And obviously PJ is going to be featured enough in Milwaukee. I would imagine uh, with that trade, but even more so with buyout guys, like they're going to have uh, their, they're saying this and they're going to have a little bit more autonomy in that decision. But uh, real quick, we got to shout out our sponsors over at Tough Apparel. Today's episode of The Parking Lot is brought to you by Tough Apparel. As men, we could all use a little more confidence, whether in our professional or personal lives.
2: From liquid repellent and four-way stretch dress shirts to machine washable ties to quality ratchet belts, Tough Apparel gives you the confidence you need to crush whatever comes your way. When you look good, you feel good. When you feel good, you overperform in whatever endeavors you pursue. Plus, Tough Apparel was recently on Shark Tank, where they battled in the tank and got a deal with Robert Herjavec. You can get 10% off your order today by using the special one-time code PARKINGLOT in all caps on their website. So, whether you want to excel in the workplace or up your wardrobe game, go to toughapparel.com and see how good confidence can look on you.
1: All right. So I got to read you guys a a LeVar Ball tweet real quick. You might have seen (laughs) that. Oh, yes. (laughs) I I got to get your your initial reactions to this. But speaking of the trade deadline, um, no one better than LeVar Ball to, to spice things up and stir the pot a week out. LeVar Ball on the trade deadline on ESPN Los Angeles, quote, I hope Lonzo gets traded. He can't stand new Orleans.
0: <laughs> it's So like, <laughs> uh, if I read that as a new Orleans fan, I'd be like, Oh, that's, that sucks. That's horrible. <laughs> I just
1: feel I could rant about new Orleans. I always do. And it's for me, it's not just Van Gundy. It's on and off the court. They've just been a disaster. I can't believe that they leaked that they wanted to trade Lonzo two months ago, two months before the deadline that that doesn't establish you any leverage. And then the worst-case scenario happened where Lonzo started balling out, and now you shot yourself in the foot. What are you supposed to do now that you leaked that out? Everyone knows that you wanted to trade him. I don't think they want to trade him the way he's playing right now. He's been incredible. I got another stat for you guys. And yeah. this, one, this one blew my mind. You might have seen this. Uh, it's been kind of floating around Twitter and, and some other NBA spaces, but this was about a week ago, this stat. Lonzo had made 99 threes. To that point in the season, this is on the 11th of March. Trey Young hit 85. He had 14 more threes in Trey Young about a week ago. And I think he's only made more since then. He was shooting 38% to Trey's 36. Uh, I think he's closer to 40 now. I think
0: he's right at 39. I can pull it
1: up. He's made more threes than Luca, Tatum, Beal, Booker, Braun. Like Lonzo's been awesome. He's been really, really good. He's shooting the three ball at a high percentage and he's shooting at a high volume as well. I just think New Orleans is so stupid for leaking out that early where it doesn't really benefit you at all leaking that information. Maybe it was leaked. I don't know. But regardless, it got out there and now it's hurt them and it sounds like Lonzo doesn't want to be there. And I don't blame him. I don't blame him. They publicly basically said that they were trying to trade him and now he's playing the best basketball of his career. And he fits almost seemingly perfectly next to
0: Ingram and and Zion. I don't know. Austin, what are your thoughts? Yeah. So my question is, what's the likelihood that he, that he comes back because they're playing this game where it's not like, yeah, he's in, he's in trade rumors, but he's, he's going to be available in, in, in six months or whatever to be able to sign wherever he wants to go. Well, as a restricted free agent, right? Right. They can match, but right, like if, right. if there's a team, if like a New York Knicks, for example, who have been very open about liking Lonzo and who, yeah. who have yeah. been in the point guard market for the not last three years now, um, like I could see a situation where they want to add a guy like that. Who's a, um, he, I think he fits Thibodeau a lot. He's a, he's a good defender. He can hit shots. He, he's a fast paced player. I think he'd fit really well in New York. Like I just don't know what the likelihood that they are able to bring him back. I just think that he's, he's outplaying himself in terms of what they want to pay. And, and I don't, I just don't know what the likelihood is that he, he's back in new Orleans next year. Would you like to yeah, trade him? Like, what do you do?
2: Well, it's tough because it looks like they keep trying to find a scapegoat for this season because one one second they're going toe to toe with the jazz who i mean we could have mentioned them as a falling team so oh, maybe they aren't I, like the.
1: i bit my tongue i wanted to really bad but my <laughs> jazz slander it's it's very prevalent on this podcast so i bit my tongue
2: <laughs> <laughs> i mean but you you had them go toe to toe and defeat the jazz who are i mean uh, deserved or not, uh, the number one team in the West sure. right now, no, currently. Your yeah, but then they turn around and have a 30-point loss to the Timberwolves. And you go, where is this team going? And it seems like they aren't <laughs> willing to uh, listen to the uh, parking lot hosts and go <laughs> straight to the source with Stan Van Gundy. And it's almost like they were trying to tie it around Lonzo's neck, which is crazy because he's I mean, w- would you be surprised if he's one of the premier point guards in five years? Where we're talking about Lonzo being the point god of the league, I- I'm he'll definitely be in the conversation.
1: I mean, he does he does everything you want in a point guard, right? And that's what's kind of wild for his, um, I guess his background the teams he's been on. He's been losing teams in L.A. He's been losing teams in New Orleans, but yet he's turned into a really good defensive player. You usually don't see that from guys that kind of are brought up in those type of situations and on losing teams like that. So he brings real defensive tenacity. Yeah. He's always had that length and athleticism. And now that that three ball is falling, I mean, he came into this league from day one as one of the best distributors, playmakers, that court vision is up there with Ben Simmons, his brother, and maybe a handful of guys in this league. Chris Paul still like maybe five or six guys in the league have that level of court vision it's it's yeah it's it's crazy that you're looking to move on from a guy like that i i know stewart who's on this podcast a lot is a huge lonzo fan we've yeah. been trying to get him to phoenix for a long time i just think it's so crazy that new orleans is chasing him out of town and now probably regretting it but um any other fits i know you mentioned new york i really like the new york fit i like the chicago fit potentially
0: yeah definitely chicago either would fit. be amazing put him next to levine that would be that would be that would be fantastic let kobe mm-hmm. white come off the bench and be a a, a hot scorer who comes in and just hit shots and can play make and and let him run it but i think lonzo next to zach levine would be just it, i think it'd be freaking fun to watch honestly yeah. <laughs> i think it'd be great um, yeah. i so going back to new orleans though i'm curious to get your take on this and i'm just thinking about this um if you are new orleans would you look to trade brandon brandon ingram and Ooh. just go full zion williamson now we're talking like, cause they, they paid Brandon Ingram. Like he got paid and he had a really good year and he's, and he's had a, he's had a good year this year as well. I'm just wondering if you would rather try to get the, the max value out of, out of, um, out of Brandon Ingram and look to build like a new structure with, with Zion and even Lonzo at that point, you wouldn't, I don't think you'd have a problem paying Lonzo if you didn't have Ingram on the, on the books. I think the problem is that you look at like Zion Ingram and ball and you wonder what the ceiling is of those three guys if you're paying him 20 plus million in each. Now I know Zion's got some time, but like, do you look to make a move outside of, outside of just Lonzo? It's a really, really good question. And I think the problem, the
1: money problem, the financial problem boils down to you have Eric Bloodstone, and Steven Adams making big money on this team for who knows yeah. what reason. But, uh, but just to address the Ingram question in a vacuum with his fit next to Zion and potentially Lonzo, uh, Patty, I'll let you go first on this one. Uh, any thoughts on that fit, that pairing
2: of Ingram next to Zion and Lonzo? Mm-hmm. Well, the, the one thing I, the first thing I look at is that you have Zion, and this is clearly going to be his team, right?
0: I mean, clearly, have, right?
2: There's no question. Totally, there's, totally. there's absolutely no question. I Me mean, too. when you watch Same. that team, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, and, I mean, they, it passes the eye test when you look at the, the statistics, the clutch shooting, all of that, like, big moments. You want the ball in Zion's hand, hands. And when I look at Brandon Ingram, I'm like, I, I completely agree with you, Austin. Why not sell high right now? He's having an incredible season offensively. I, I, that's someone that – and I, with this contract, you could definitely – you could get creative, you could – go to one of these teams that is going to be a seller or maybe doesn't want to be a seller is a a reluctant seller, like an Orlando or like a Sacramento. And you can say, Hey, you have young talent. You have good players that can shoot. That's what I want. Here's a great, here's a a star in the league, an all-star. And I think you can, you could get a deal done.
1: Yeah. I love that. I love that. I'm in the same boat as you. I just think, you don't normally want to trade guys who are an all-star at the 25, age last year. Yeah. yeah. Um, kind of a rising star still. Um, but it's for whatever reason, late game, it's this weird conflux of who's taking the final shot and Ingram will take four or five shots in a row when Zion's 15 of 16 on the night and has 32 points. Like it's really strange. And their styles kind of clash a little bit. I think they could make it work, but I think I would just completely embrace that team. I would just embrace Zion completely and I would trade Ingram and try to get the most complimentary pieces because Zion truly is a generational talent. Um, and when you have a generational talent like that, you, you really have to make sacrifices. You maybe build a team differently than you normally would. Um, I know this last weekend I was down in Arizona and for the first time in about 13, 14 months, i've been out through the health and safety protocols for a long time but i uh, patty patty invited me out and we, we we played some some basketball saturday morning let me let me some new hardens brand new hardens right out of the box yeah, they, they played so great I, I really liked them
2: um well it was worth it because you got that uh that pull-up jumper over uh nathan lewis and then <laughs> <laughs> and then Lomac, Logan comes flying in for a reverse layup around. I'm like, man, Logan there's something well. in the water here. Logan played really well. He shot the
1: ball well. I I think I was two for like six on the day out of playing like four games. I was just so reluctant to shoot. And that's kind of my point that I'm getting at is you play pickup and, and late game, it's hard to find, not always, but you'll be if you're playing to like eleven, you're sitting at nine, and you kind of struggle to find that guy that's gonna take like that last shot. Yeah, he's gonna absolutely really close the door. I mean you can go from four to seven or from six to nine really easily, but going from nine, 10 to 11, when it's game point, and you're trying to push it over the top, everyone locks in on defense a little bit more. Those are usually, it's rare. It's harder to score that last point or two than it is at any other point in the game more times than not. And it's like the opposite problem that New Orleans has is where they have almost too many closers. I don't know if Ingram would match up with a lot of elite closers. Like I wouldn't put them up there with Levine or Booker as far as like, guys, I want having the ball late game yeah but to his credit his confidence is there with those guys and so he thinks this is his team moment yeah uh-huh. give me the ball clear out in reality that ball needs to be going to zion three out of four possessions minimum down the stretch if you're in a tight game and just look at the other night they blew that lead to portland this is like example number 75 of how <laughs> they can't close games understand van gundy because they cannot figure out who to give the ball too late it's just bizarre to me um, so for that reason, I don't have a long-winded answer, but I would move Ingram if I could for the right pieces and just completely embrace Zion.
0: Well, we've got to see Brendan Ingram a few times playing as the Suns, and I mean, his skill, like his length and his, some of his skills on offense are very, like it's, it's beautiful. Like he plays a very clean game and I don't think that he takes a lot of, um, bad shots. I don't think he's like a hucker by any stretch. I just think that the ball sticks really hard with him on the court like I would notice that they're running their offense and then he gets to Ingram with 12 seconds on the shot clock and that ball's not getting passed until either the five second part of the shot clock or he's taking a shot. Like, I just feel like it sticks really heavy sometimes with him. And I think he gets good looks and I think he's a smart basketball player. I just think next to Zion, I think the best way to compliment Zion's game is you got to play fast. you got to keep the ball moving, quick pick and rolls, you swing it to the corner. It's just the ball movement has to be so fast with Zion because he's, he's athletic. He can catch the ball. Um, he moves really well without the ball. I just think sometimes with Ingram, and especially even with Lonzo, I just think Ingram hurts those guys because the ball sticks so much in his hand. And I think it hurts their, their flow a lot of, a lot of nights.
2: And it kind of gives them this, this ceiling, because I mean, historically, if you look at the league, there's been quite a few of these uh I what what's the best way to say it? these more slight forwards that are just offensive gurus like Ingram Ingram can score on anyone. And I think of like an Adrian Dantley or a George Gervin, where these guys are all, in, they're in the record books. They're in the, they're noticed as, you know, historically great scores, but their teams never really found that, that success in the playoffs. They never accumulated these championships. So I I think if you're going to have Brandon Ingram as your star, then you're you're setting yourself up. You're putting a ceiling a cap on your team essentially.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. Agreed. Um, any other names we want to shout out, trade deadline before we move on. I think Aaron Gordon, Terrence Ross, and Orlando are good names that could probably both be had. And I think I think Aaron Gordon, I've always been a huge fan of that. I know. He, For years we have. Huge difference on the right team. I think he's Kind of like Larry Nance, good defender, not the best shooter, but like can give you a little bit of everything. Underrated passer. Yeah, I was looking yeah. up some Aaron Gordon highlights last night. And he had like a a 18, 16 rebound and like seven assist game just a couple weeks ago. I mean, yeah. he's he, he's a really good player, super talented, and I think he could really pop in the right situation. But
2: I really agree. The ultimate example of someone that's been put on a been on a bad team, and so everyone just thinks they're a bad player. Yeah,
0: yeah. I think and I think this because he's been in trade talks for like kind of every year, it's like diminished his value because you never feel like Orlando values him. So it's like if I'm the Suns, like I'm not gonna put more like if I'm trying to reach out to Orlando, but I'm not putting more value in Aaron Gordon than what they're gonna put into him. Sure. But I know that I want him on my roster. I really think that he he would flourish in the right situation with a fresh with a fresh view. I think he would. But Kyle, I agree with your take earlier. I really think that this. Trade deadline is going to be about finding your sixth man, like finding a yeah. guy who can come in in a playoff series, and it's like oh, he came in off the bench and had twenty four points in nineteen minutes, and it's like he elevated your team to a six point win in a close playoff game. I think those are the kind of guys that and I and even like a JJ Reddick and like a I think there's a lot of guys that you could go down the list who could potentially yeah. do that for a team, and those are the guys that I think teams are going to look to try to try to snag here at the end.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's really good point. We'll have to see how it goes, and we'll have another podcast right before maybe do a little reaction to a trade deadline podcast. Those are always Absolutely. fun, so we'll be breaking that down as we go along. But um, I wanted to pick your guys' brain on a topic that came to mind yesterday. Happy belated St. Patrick's Day, by the way. Uh, Lo- Logan's birthday is yesterday at St. Patrick's Day, so he's off the pod today. Um, but, but Lauren and I were in New York City, and we went to uh, – like an irish pub for dinner last night and it was super fun it's always like really festive uh we got like a shepherd pie and just some other like bar food fries and everything like that and that's fine it got, me, it got me thinking about kind of sports foods and i know baseball season is like creeping up on us it's right around the corner and my mom always does a big opening day party it's always been a big thing of hers. you guys know dana yep uh, hot dogs and apple pie and peanuts like baseball has very very traditional foods i associate immediately with baseball like ballpark food and i think football i think of like the super bowl a lot of finger foods dips chips and dip pigs in a blanket like anything yeah. you can eat your fingers like that's i associate that right away with super bowl what do you guys associate with basketball food because i've been kind of I've been going back and forth in my head about like wh- what I like automatically associate with as basketball food. And do you guys have any like traditions with, with food and basketball games at all? PC, what do you got? Any, any thoughts?
2: Well, I-, I don't mean to steal yours. I I, I feel like I'm swooping here, but <laughs> I mean, if you can give me a uh, extra large bin of cheese puffs from your nearest uh-huh. Walmart, I-, I would take that and sit I mean, I had never even seen food like that until I went over to your house. And then I learned how to truly watch basketball, um, you know, as a, as a young teenager, just being able to sit there and be like, okay, this is how you properly, you know, going to the, those opening day uh, uh, parties at, with your families, like, oh, there's, there's uh there's queso, there's chips, there's hot dogs, there's uh ham quesadillas. I mean, this is how we celebrate. always the quesadillas. This, <laughs> this is how we celebrate the game but specifically for basketball i I don't know for some reason i feel like it's you just have to be careful especially like when we were talking about arena how many times are you like jumping up or kind of jolting it's not as relaxed and picnic style as baseball yeah so i feel like the food is kind of designed to be more of like you know you're holding your pizza slice or or you know like a salty pretzel something like that
0: yeah yeah i hear you you. yeah so the memories of food i have with with basketball and to be honest, like it's nowhere near, like that's where baseball is king, man. Like go to a oh, game. For sure. Like yeah. I want to get in, I want to get into a baseball game for like 10 bucks and I want to spend 45 on food. You know <laughs> when I'm there, <laughs> the ratio, <laughs> the ratio is so off compared to basketball, but growing up, I would say like the, the, the food that I associate with basketball. And like, there's no, no reason why, but yeah, it's just like a Friday night. Like you have like a, like family friends come over and it's like, you're doing pizza. Or for us, it was always like Chinese, like I'm just trying Chinese takeout, like
1: interesting, which is yeah. so
0: random. But like, that's what I associate. And I wish basketball had a little bit more like culture when it came to like things like that. Because I don't really like, can't really think of anything that stands out as like unique or, or special.
1: So I think with the Suns games in particular, I mean, the, the arena's changed names so many times. America West, Talking Secrets, War, like, whatever it was at the time they've had that carl's jr there forever that's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the only time i ever read carl's jr is when i go to his son's game because you can get it before you enter it's right on the outside of like the ticket entrance right so it's not like normal price but it's not quite like arena price either it's in between so you can get like a burger and fries and like a shake for 10 bucks or 12 bucks or whatever it is uh-huh. and take it into the arena with you and i feel like that's what we would always do is just load up on carl's jr because it's a little bit cheaper than paying for like a $12 personal Peter Piper pizza, or whatever they have <laughs> inside. Um, but I, I think when I'm at home and I don't do this as often as I wish, but when I thought of basketball food, the first thing that came to my mind is like wing stop, for whatever reason, for whatever reason wings just sound like basketball to me. Bone in boneless, you name it like teriyaki, honey barbecue. Like those just feel like basketball games to me. Like your fingers are dirty. But like you said, like your eyes always have to be on the TV because there's so much action. Yeah. Have uh, you guys – have wings ever been a thing that you've you've done with basketball games at all? Chinese is interesting. Takeout Chinese, I've never heard that one before.
0: I feel like wings are like – what I associate with wings is like when the draft lottery is going on and the Suns were freaking horrible for 10 years straight, <laughs> and we would like go and go to like like Buffalo Wild Wings or two. you have a a
1: total negative connotation then because you associate wings with dragon bender i I associate
0: i associate wings with losing out to the lakers for that number two pick man so it's like
1: and and honey barbecue are just synonymous in your mind yeah
0: (laughs) yeah we were at we were at your place kyle when when they got the number one pick that year and so you guys (laughs) had a bunch of food but i don't even like i just yeah i i almost think we need to like come up with something like like right now where it's like we're gonna push it the rest of the year. Like, what's the basketball food? Like, we gotta like be yeah. the forefront. I don't. I just don't know what it would be. Like, the best thing I can come up with is just a pizza. Like, I don't know. Is pizza's pizza it's like? I feel like a pizza is not really associated with like football or baseball or anything else. Ugh. Which I think basketball could claim pizza, but I don't know. Like, I just don't think there's anything that stands out like baseball or other sports.
2: Well, and I think the reason why it's so tough is you think of other sports. There's kind of um, this cultural heritage to those sports and then when you look at basketball it's such an it, it's such an inclusive environment and so there really isn't these it's more of creative and progressive and like pushing forward and so sure. there aren't like these like these traditions where it's like well I need to have my my peanuts and uh sunflower seeds and hot dog to you know that's part of my basketball experience there's there aren't any uh, real holds on the the fan experience like that that's
1: a really good point i mean if you ask ricky rubio maybe it's like going to a top a spanish tapas bar or something like that (laughs) no but exactly like all these stars in the nba croatia spain latvia like you name it germany with dirk like all over europe we have australian players you have players from all over the place juan toscano's rocking mexico like representing (laughs) so it's, it's, it's really cool it's so cultural that's a really good point that um it is really inclusive and it does represent a lot of different countries um what's the canada has what is it called it's like cheese fries but they have like a specific name for them
2: maybe like raptors players just eat those exclusively you know what i'm (laughs) talking about someone really mentioned it i hate to say this but someone mentioned it on the bachelor I, i'm trying to remember like, it was part of the hometown <laughs> no dates. Shame. She, no shame she whatsoever. It. i'm a love island guy but i,
1: yeah, I totally get it I, I was used to love bachelor in paradise oh uh, what's it called canadian fries with gravy i'm looking it up
0: sounds good
1: uh pu- <laughs> vladimir poutine i think it's called p-o-u-t-i-n-e I don't know if it's poutine or Putin or how you pronounce it, but they're like fries with gravy and cheese. And maybe that's like Canada's like national food. Watch a Raptors game with some, some Putin.
2: I don't know. (laughs) Okay. So this is a complete tangent, but uh, it's funny. These places like Canada, that are just these huge melting pots because like we think the U S is a melting pot, but then, I mean, realistically it's like, people are expected to kind of integrate a little bit more, but then yeah. like when you get to these places like Canada or like in my personal experience, Hawaii, you get these yeah. incredible blends of food that don't make sense at all, but they taste amazing.
1: Well, so tell, tell listeners, you you spent a couple of years in Hawaii, right? For school. I personally yep. think yep. Hawaiian is my favorite food on the planet. Cause I, I love Japanese food. I spent some time there. So it's this mix of like
2: American and Japanese. Would you agree with that poke and everything? Well, Right, right. So you have the, the Japanese influence, of course, and then, um, you know, uh, America. But then you also have that. I mean, you got to give credit to these the, the Polynesian style, of like, you know, cooking their food in these um, like these underground ovens and putting everything in the banana leaves and covering it up and, you know, heating up the rock. I mean, there's just it's really cool. And then it, not only um, uh, the Japanese, but you have like Koreans, Chinese. Mm-hmm filipinos um the spanish brazilian i mean it's a huge melting pot over there and so you get the like one of my favorite dishes there is a locomoco, mm-hmm. which is some kind of meat over rice with gravy on it with an egg and oh, that man. sounds disgusting but it tastes not at good. all <laughs> yeah.
1: That's right. And this is out.
2: really tough for me because I just went on a diet this week. So I was really <laughs> this was this was the um, the segment I was most nervous about. Could I make it through without you know running out the door to in and out or something like that? I'll <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> tell you, man, I don't care what people say.
1: I know there's a lot of haters out there. I was in town for I was in Arizona for what three and a half days this last weekend? And we went to In N Out twice. I just I miss that place, man. I don't want to hear anyone talk about Shake Shack over In N Out. It's garbage. it's it's not even a it's not even a discussion really i don't know but yeah also i think you're right pizza dude might be like a very universal like staple basketball food because pizza is so universal like it's italian but then it's new york and it's la and it's detroit and it's like it's everywhere you know what i mean everyone's got their own take on it so it, it really fits well and i don't think any other sport has claim to it maybe bowling's got like really like crappy like reheated pizza but that's about <laughs> it
2: wasn't streets of new york one of the uh sponsors of the phoenix suns yeah, yeah. Or, or or is that it... i think they i always them. see their ads so <laughs> yeah tom
1: chavers and leander are always going on about streets in new york that's <laughs> best, best pizza place in the valley can't say i would agree with them but
0: can't say i've ever been there before <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's not worth your time don't worry
0: uh, I heard some Peter Piper slander a little bit earlier and I, I Oh no no, I, no 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 okay. no I am a
1: Peter Piper stan. I Oof. love it.
0: It's, I'm gonna it's, be in Arizona the next week, man. There's a hundred percent chance Peter Piper's gonna be coming up to the, to the house, man.
1: Austin and I worked together for a long time and uh, Barrow's was the was the lunch spot. If if, if you're local, you know the borrows lunch special is legendary. It's the best. She get slice salad and a drink for five bucks. We'd be there all the time. So shout out. Shout out Barros, that's great basketball pizza, isn't it? Barros,
0: yeah, I would agree.
1: Oh man, I would
2: definitely agree um, with that. <laughs> Shout out to um, to Brian Dev. What I think one of the first times I met Brian is when he was working for a mortuary, and I saw him at Barros, Mortuary Transport. Yeah, and and, and and he stopped. They were like having lunch, and he's like, "Oh, we're we're uh, we're on uh, we're on the clock right now." and i'm like oh what are you doing for work and like oh we're in mortuary transport i'm like oh so you're going to pick someone up they're like yeah uh we kind of have someone in the back right now gonna resist that borrows lunch (laughs) i mean this pizza it, it is it's magnetic it pulls you in i've
1: never heard that story that's good man
2: that's funny hey pat thanks for coming on man that
1: was fun that was a good time loved having you on have to have you on again um anything anything you want to plug anything you anything you're working on any projects or anything like that
2: um make sure to uh file follow your taxes uh <laughs> and the the deadline will be extended to may 15th so you have a little bit more time but uh, no i just wanted to say uh i appreciate you let me come on and give my half back half-baked opinions on the on the nba and uh talk talk uh It's always a good time talking with y'all, Austin and Kyle. So, appreciate it. Yeah,
0: Yeah, thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, we'll
1: have you on again for sure. It was good. It was fun. Oh, thanks for listening, guys. Appreciate all the listeners out there. uh, As always, follow us on Twitter, the Parking Lot Podcast. And we will see you guys next week.